0: Well, hey, Propel Church, Pastor Nick here. I am so excited to be with you this morning. Maybe it's this afternoon, maybe it's this evening. Whenever you're watching, we're so excited that you chose to join us for Propel Church online this weekend. I also wanna give a very special shout-out To those of you who are in the Coltrane Life Center, we want you to know we're so honored and excited to have you a part of our church family. We're so grateful as you kind of dig in and connect, and we are here to serve you. We love you, even though for a lot of you we've never met you before. Before We are in week four of a message series called Pace Problems. And in this series, we've been learning how to run our race accordingly. We've talked about some pitfalls. And last week, I am so grateful that Matt shared a word on restlessness, that it got you and I into the place where we were figuring out how do we hit the pause button? How do we slow down and really focus and connect with God. This week, I want to talk to you about the pace of recovery. Now, when we talk about recovery, a lot of times we think of an injury. A few years ago, I had injured both of my legs and went through a recovery process. Every single one of us that claim to be followers of Jesus are going through a recovery process. There is an old way of living, and there's a new way of living. 2 Corinthians five seventeen talks about how your old life is gone, but your new life is here. And the in-between, as you're kind of navigating, transitioning from old life to fully embracing new life, is this process of recovery. And so maybe you're thinking today, like, hey, I don't feel like I'm in recovery, but I want you to write this down. Until we meet Jesus face-to-face, we will be In recovery. If you go back to the very beginning of Genesis, what you're going to find is that God created you and I to live in perfection with him. He created us to do life with him, to be in communion and fellowship with him. But sin separates us from God. And because sin separated us from God, there had to be a payment that was made. So God sent Jesus to die as a sinless sacrifice for you and for me so that in him we could have access to God. In him we could be redeemed and restored back into right standing with God. So the recovery for us as followers of Jesus is this process where we're navigating back to the way we were originally designed to live. According to Google, come on, how many of y'all love Google? According to Google, this is what it says, recovery is a return to health, mind, or strength. It's the action or process of regaining possession or control of something that was lost. Because of sin, our connection with God was lost. But thankfully, because of Jesus, that connection can be restored. So I want to talk to you today about the pace of of recovery. And to do that, I'm going to take us to a passage of scripture in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, we're going to talk about uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to talk about the life of David. And uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed with the story, there were these, uh, while the Philistine forces were away, the Amalekites raiders, they came in and they pillaged this Village, and as David and his men are returning, what they see is that their city's been burned down, that their families were gone. And in this passage, God is going to give David the permission or the confirmation to pursue these people to destroy them. But look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30 beginning in verse 6. I'm going to read you the whole story. Then I got three things for you. They all start with P because, you know, that's how good preachers do it. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his son's and daughters. Now, these were not the opposing forces. These were David's men. And David's men were angry because they come back to their home after being gone with David to find that everything's been destroyed. Their families are gone. Their children have been taken. And so they're angry with David. They're angry at the situation and they're talking about killing him. So it says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abithar the priest the son of Ahimelech bring me the ephod Abima Abithar come on how many of y'all ever read names in the bible and you just get you just get tongue tied brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord shall I pursue this raiding party will I overtake them pursue them he answered you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue David and 600 men uh, David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Valley, where they stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. David is going to... Recover. David is heading on a journey to take back what was stolen from him. And so I've got three things for you today as you're in the process of recovery and you want to make sure you run the right pace. Here's the first thing you need to do you need to pray. Pray. You say, Pastor, it's not 21 days of prayer. Why, why are we talking about prayer? Because prayer for a follower of Jesus is not something you're supposed to do a few times a year or even a few minutes a day. It's supposed to be part of your lifestyle. Prayer is this beautiful opportunity that we have to connect with our God Thankfully, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, the veil was torn. The separation between us and God has been bridged. And now we have a privilege and an honor to come to God in prayer, to seek after him, to come before him. Prayer is not our last resort. It's our first decision. It's the first thing we do. So David's in a hard place. There's some people that feel like stoning him. There's some situations that he didn't see coming. He wants to take back what's rightfully his. Here's what the first thing David does it says this 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It said, But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength. In the Lord. If you want to know where your strength comes from, it doesn't come from the world, it doesn't come from CrossFit, it only comes through connecting with. God, as you and I seek after the face of God, as we seek after the heart of God, it gives you and I the ability to become stronger because worldly strength will never produce godly results. There's going to be some situations that you come up against in the process of recovery that only prayer can bring to pass. There's going to be some hardships and some struggles that you want to overcome. And rather than just fixating on the the problem, rather than just focusing on what needs to be done, the first thing we've got to get in the habit of doing as followers of Jesus is coming to God, seeking after God, praying, and believing that God is able to do more than we might ask, think, or imagine. How often do we get stuck complaining about it more than we pray about it? Complaining is never going to give us the ability to overcome the situations that we find ourselves in. We've got to be people who pray and who seek after God. Uh, so growing up, um, I watched WWE a lot. Come on, how many of y'all watched wrestling growing up and I always loved the uh, the tag team matches because tag team matches you had a uh, you had a teammate with you, so there would be two guys against two other guys, and and what would happen is only one person would be fighting at a time, and then eventually, as that other person would get tired, they would tag the other teammate in, and the teammate would step in, and if if they had more strength than the other opponent, they would ultimately get the victory. One of the things I love about prayer is it's our opportunity to tag God in to do what only he can do. It's the ability for you and I to tag in a God who never gets tired, who never gets weary, who never faints nor slumbers. We have a God who is stronger than any circumstance or situation we face. And here's what we know when we read scripture, that he not only is going to win the current battle, but against the enemy, he wins every battle because the enemy is just is crushed under his foot our god is stronger and bigger he never gets tired when's the last time you tagged god in to fight battles on your behalf you need to take some time to pray why is prayer important because prayer aligns my mind with god's power prayer aligns my mind with god's power i sometimes when i've got hard stuff going on circumstances situations Right? People. Part of David's struggle is he's got people in his life that want to stone him. They're mad at him. Whenever my mind begins to run and race, what I really need is a mind shift. And I'm not going to figure out how to do that on my own. I need to begin to shift my mind onto a God who is bigger and more powerful than what I'm facing. Exodus chapter 15 verse 2 says this, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. God is our strength. He is our source of power. He is the one we run to and go to in our times of need. So in the process of recovery, the first thing we do is we pray. The second thing that we do is purge. Purge. To purge is to kill off or get rid of. There's some things in this next season that I believe in order for you to do all that God has called you to do, in order for you to really continue in walking in the new life that he has for you, there's some things that can't go with you. There's some old ways, some old habits that need to die. There's probably even some people that can't make the journey with you. So 1 Samuel chapter 30 uh, verse uh, 10, sorry, verse 9 through 10 says that David and the 600 men with him came to the Bosor Valley where they stayed behind. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. David had 600, but... In order for him to continue to pursue, he had to let go of some people who were in his life that were going to slow him down from recovering what the enemy had taken. I believe that there's not only some people in your life that need to be removed, but there's some places and some things. Come on, how many of y'all went to school? You know what a noun is? Noun are people, places, and things. Hey, there's some people in this next season that are going to have to be removed from your life because you can't recover at the pace that God wants you to if you're still carrying around dead weight. If you're running a race with people who don't want to run, at some point you've got to let them go so that you can do all that God has called you to. I'm not telling you to do it alone. I'm saying you got to find other people that are running the race as well. There's not only some people that need to go, there's some things that need to go. There's some ways of living. There's some ways that you communicate. There's probably some apps you need to get rid of. There's some things you need to quit doing. I don't know what those are, but I would venture to guess right now there's some things in your life that God just revealed to you that God was like, hey, you need to get rid of, that you need to remove. And you were like, no, I don't really know that that's it. Hey, if God prompted you to get rid of something right now, the best thing that you can do is listen the best because he knows what's best for you and his plans for you are to prosper you and not to harm you it's good for things to be removed from our lives because it allows us to run the race at the pace that God has marked out for us not only do we need to purge some some people and some things we need to get rid of some places for some of us, there's places we go, there's places we went in the past that no longer are a part of the person we used to be. And whenever you bring old life into new life, new life gets contaminated. You don't want to walk in old life and new life at the same time, because the truth is you can't. You can't be everything God created you to be in the future while still holding on to the things that the people, and the places of your past? Are you willing to purge some things? Are you willing to let some things go? There's some things in even my life that I need to drop in this next season because if not, I'll be carrying more weight than what I can bring with me. Uh, Tori and I, we're part of a coaching network in Florida and uh, we would fly to Florida a few times. We would fly out of Concord, love that airport been great. But uh, one day, Tori and I show up at the airport, and I'm trying to be a good husband. So I'm like, girl, I got the bags. I'll get everything checked in. You just go ahead, and you go through security. I'll meet you at the gate. So I go to the counter, and I throw my bag on the scale, and it turns out that our bag was overweight. And this was an airport where uh, you couldn't just pay an extra fee to have a heavier bag, we had to decrease the weight in the bag. So, I ended up opening the bag, and the problem was I had like three or four pairs of shoes in the bag. I mean, it was, and it was like a three day trip, but you got to be fresh. So, I'm like, I'm I'm there, and I'm taking all this stuff out of the bag, and I'm, I'm zipping it back up, and I'm sitting it on the counter, and it's still overweight, and I'm pulling out, and I walk through the security gate later on with two jackets and three pairs of shoes out of the bag because it was too overweight to carry on the trip. How many of you know it was a miserable flight trying to figure out how to hold all those shoes and those jackets, and the only reason we had to do that is because we didn't uh, uh, properly think about the weight we were carrying for the trip we were going on. A lot of times in our journey with Christ, we never assess the weight that God is calling us to carry in that season, and we end up overweight, and we end up having to carry too much with us. I wonder how much better our journey would be if we threw off the things we didn't really need. The truth is, I could have done with one pair of shoes. No, I couldn't. I could have done with two pairs of shoes for that trip. But but if you don't assess the weight, you will never walk in the full purpose that God has called you to. There's a lot of us who are overweight in this season, not literally, but spiritually. And we need to assess what we're carrying because if you carry weight more than God has called you to carry, you will never be able to sustain the pace that you're running your race. Here's what purging does. Purging removes the things that keep me from God's purpose. So prayer is what aligns our mind with God's power. Purging removes things that keep me from God's purpose. And every time I think about removing things, I come back to this verse in John 15, verse 2. This is what it says. I love this verse. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So when we think about purging, a lot of times we think about the stuff that that doesn't work, the things that were just the old stuff. So when this whole passage in John 15 is about. Uh, Jesus says, my father is a vine dresser. He takes away the branches that don't bear fruit. We get that. Then it says, in every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might be even more fruitful. I would love to propose to you that there's possibly some things that have been incredibly fruitful in your life that God still wants to purge in this next season. There's probably some fruitful things that he wants to cut back and it may feel like a struggle in the moment, but it's so that you can grow even further down the road. Because if a branch is never pruned, a branch can never grow to reach its full potential. So sometimes the things in our lives have to be cut back so that they can continue to grow. So we're going to pray. We're going to purge. Here's the third thing we're going to pursue. We're going to pursue. And we're not just going to pursue anything. We're going to pursue the right things because even though there's some people, some places, and some things that can't go with you on the journey, even though you're praying and the Lord is your strength, you and I are not promised that everything is going to be easy. We're not promised smooth sailing. We're not promised that our lives are going to be problem free. At some point, you got to get up and keep walking just because you started with 600 and you're losing 200, doesn't mean that you get to quit your race. Doesn't mean you get to stop. Just because you lost your job, doesn't mean you get to stop running the race that God has marked out for you. Just because you get an illness or diagnosis from a doctor, doesn't mean that your race is over. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. And the race for your life is still moving forward. So we want to pursue the things of God. So David loses 200 men, and it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 10, but David and the other 400 men continued to pursue. Just because people are being left behind, just because there's people who are slowing you down, doesn't mean that your time on this earth is going to be extended. So you got to keep moving. We've got to keep pursuing. We've got to keep running after God, Uh, in the um, man, I over the course of the years, there have been plenty of times where I felt like quitting, even within the last eight months. Come on, like, how many of you have felt like quitting in the last eight months? But the thing that keeps me going is pursuing the plans and purposes that God has. I don't know what struggle you find yourself in. I don't know what pain or chaos or turmoil is going on in your life. But here's what I do know. You and I were made to run the race that God has marked out for us with endurance. You and I were made to have a thriving relationship with god and what that looks like as you and i navigate this world is that we we pray we purge and we pursue we we seek after the heart of god we seek after the face of god we get rid of the things that aren't of him and even assess the good things we get rid of so that we can experience great things and then we no matter what we just keep on running James says that that blessed are those who persevere for once they endure, they receive the crown of life that God has promised for him. Your biggest breakthroughs are on the other side of you just pushing through of you continuing to pursue, continuing to chase, continuing to go after, no matter what the enemy throws your way in the kingdom of God, you can't be stopped unless you stop. If you stop moving, then the enemy can defeat you. But if you keep going, if you keep pursuing, if you keep chasing the things of God, what you and I will find is that God over and over and over again has a plan that prospers and is not to harm us. That's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. I'm going to read you a passage in 1 Timothy, but the the context, 1 Timothy chapter 6, to give you a little bit of context for what this passage was uh, going through in the first kind of portion of these verses. Timothy says, hey, we came to this earth with nothing. And then he talks about this temptation to fall in love with our stuff and our things while we're here. He talks about how loving money is the root of all kinds of evil. But then he says this in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 11 But you man of God flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance and gentleness if you were looking for a list, if you were saying to yourself at home right now or wherever you're watching from, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're in the bathroom, whatever, wherever you're watching from today, if you're going, I don't know what to pursue. You're telling me to run after Jesus, to run after the things of God. I feel like I'm doing that. What do I need to specifically go after? Come back to this list in First Timothy chapter chapter 6, verse 11, and he says... Pursue righteousness. So if you're going to pursue righteousness, here's what you need to do. Find out everything in Scripture that God considers unrighteous, that God considers unclean, and don't pursue those things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue purity. Pursue holiness. Go after the things that God wants you and I to go after. Go after godliness. When's the last time you stopped for a second and said, does my life reflect the life of Jesus? Because to look like God is to look like his son and to look like his son means that the way I love people, the way I treat people, the way I talk to people, the way I interact with people, the way I serve people, the way I give is all going to be based on the way that Jesus does life. So do you look like Christ? Because if we want to pursue the things of God, it requires us to look like the one whom we're chasing after. That's what discipleship was all about. Was that there was this thing. Um, it was called The Dust of the Rabbi. And you're thinking, like, that's not a real thing. You can look it up. But here's what they did. They, they, back in the day, they they wore like, I've said man dresses. <laughs> they, 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 they wore long robes and and what would happen is they wore were sandals and it was all dirt roads and as these men would follow their rabbi as they would follow their teacher the dust from his feet would would make the the bottom of their outfit so dirty and filthy and what's really cool about it is it would get so dirty and so filthy. And so they called it the dust of the rabbi because it was for you and I to understand that our proximity to our teacher should be so close that we're able to pick up the dust from their feet. Do you follow Jesus that closely? Do you follow Jesus so closely that you're willing to catch the dust from his feet? To be so close to Jesus that you can't help but to be generous? To be so close to Jesus that you can't help but love those who persecute you? to be so close to Jesus that you quit fighting with people on social media or you quit posting things on social media so that you'll get attention but rather that you would share hope and love and grace and mercy with people all around you? Would you catch the dust from the feet of Jesus and be so close to him that for those who are sick and broken and hurting, you can't help but step in and serve? Would you be so close to Jesus that even when you don't feel like serving or feel like giving, you choose to do it because this walk with Christ was never about feelings, but about calling and character. How close are you to Jesus to pursue faith? What does it look like to pursue faith? Just know if you go to pursue faith, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to have faith. Faith is the ability to trust God when you can't see it. Faith is the ability to know that You're not placing your belief in something, but someone who was and is and is to come, who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, who is able to do all things. Faith is taking a step every day, not knowing what the next one looks like. To pursue faith means that there's going to be some next steps. There's going to be some water walking opportunities. There's some things that you're going to experience that are incredible, but you've got to have enough faith to get out of the boat. You've got to have enough faith to plant your feet on the water and actually start walking with God. What does it look like to pursue love? Stop being a jerk all the time. Like for real, you know what bugs me? I got like six and a half minutes, so I can talk. <laughs> what really bugs me in this season is when Christians post things like, oh man, people just hate the truth and they 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 hate, you know, followers of Jesus. You can't make a stand for anything anymore. They probably don't like you because you're a jerk and you're rude. Like if you would love people and put the same time and energy into caring for others as you did telling people how much you think they're wrong. They might not actually dislike you that much. And I'm just saying, Jesus was clear that the world will hate us, that the world will persecute us. I'm not saying you get away from that. But don't blame the world for internal issues within your own heart. What does it look like to love people to pursue love? Well, The love of God that pursues us is unrelenting. It doesn't change based on circumstances or situations. It's fully devoted always chasing pursue endurance most of us can't run our race at the right pace because we get gassed out because our spiritual disciplines are so low you ought to be able to spend more than five minutes a day with jesus And I'm not saying that if that's where you're at right now, that's a bad thing. I'm not even telling you that doing your Bible reading plan on version is a bad thing. But I have, in, in me personally, I have the ability to spend hours on Facebook. Do I have the same ability to spend hours in God's Word? Because if I don't, I should probably be assessing my spiritual disciplines so that I'm ready to run my race with endurance. Endurance is necessary when you need to run for a long period of time and can't stop. And when many of us get gassed out and we burn out is when we don't have the ability to stop. But endurance is not something you build in a moment. Endurance is something you train for. So get your spiritual disciplines up. Spend time in God's word. Pray, fast, be connected to biblical community. That's how you run this thing with endurance and gentleness. You got to be nice to people. Look in scripture that it's the kindness, it's the gentleness of God that brings people to repentance. If our heart isn't in line with the heart of God, we need to pursue the heart of God above how we feel internally. Then verse 12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called when you were made when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. For you and I today as followers of Jesus, I think what we ought to do is we ought to pray, purge and pursue the right things. If you're watching this message right now and you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to know. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you so that you didn't have to be in bondage and captivity of your sin. He died so that you could have a thriving relationship with him. So that you could have connection with God. So that you could remove things in your life that don't need to be a part of it. And so that you can continue to pursue and do all the things that he planned for you long ago. Scripture is clear that before you were even in your mother's womb, God knew You And if you want to begin a relationship with that God today, I want to walk you through a prayer. And this prayer is not special in any way. We say the same prayer every week because we want you, for those of you who are watching, to be able to lead your friends and family to Jesus. But this prayer just simply recognizes the fact that we are sinful, but we accept Jesus' payment as our Lord and Savior for our sins. And now from this day forward, our lives are changed forever. So if you want to pray that prayer with me today, will you just say this? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.